Welcome, campers. Settle in tight, for tonight you're in for a fright. Welcome, campers, to Friday Night Fright. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. Ready to tell some tales, dude? Yeah, yeah. I'm, in, I'm, I'm pumped. It's been Excellent. a month since we've gotten to do one of these episodes. I know. Once a month just makes me want it more. Right? Exactly. <laughs> I really liked when we were doing them throughout Halloween. Yeah, every week? Yeah. Yeah, th- that was awesome. It was too much, but it was awesome. <laughs> Well, uh, let's let's get down to it. What uh, what have we got today? Yeah, I can I can go first. I'll uh, I'm into it. The story I'm going to read tonight is called "An Irresistible Offer." Ooh, all right. Just how irresistible is it? Oh, you're about to find out. <laughs> <laughs> and spooky music. An irresistible offer. Unit B two twelve. That's where they sent us. My mother sent me because I'm 19 years old and have the energy. My cousin Naomi is here for the same reason, although she's 20. Her mom and my mom are sisters, and apparently they have the same ideas about youth, our unlimited energy, and naivete when it comes to free physical labor. Our great-grandmother passed away at the age of 95 last week. This storage unit was hers and had to be cleaned out by the end of the month, or they would lock it and make our family pay some huge fee to open it back up, only to clean it out anyway. After opening the padlock, Naomi and I yanked up the metal roll-up door. A puff of stale air wafted out, along with plenty of dust. The unit was jammed to the doorway with cardboard boxes and furniture. We rented a cargo van, and were told to sort through the entire space and take what we wanted to keep. We would have to come back tomorrow to throw away what we didn't want. Our instructions weren't clear, but it seemed like nobody in our entire family wanted to get stuck with this detail. In contrast to the hot summer day, the storage unit was cool and sort of inviting. It was on the second floor inside a huge warehouse. Wide concrete floors meandered like a labyrinth, granting access to the units. And a large elevator descended to the ground floor just a few yards from a door. We backed the van right up to that door. With the giant rolling carts, this job might be easier than we anticipated. In no hurry, we started by dragging the first stacks of boxes out and skimmed through them to see if anything valuable lay inside. There were lots of books, papers, documents, and knickknacks in the first few boxes. But then I came to one labeled Samil. Inside was an old Canon S2 camera, on top of a manila envelope. 
Beneath the envelope were several certificates and awards for various articles, poems, stories, and photographic essays my great-grandmother had composed over her long career as a photojournalist. Accompanying the camera was a small collection of pictures of my great-grandmother at her 18th birthday. They were black and white. She wore a pretty dress. In the first photo, a handsome, slender man holding a plain, dark box with a bow stood next to her. He was handing it to her when someone snapped the photo. The date on the bottom right corner of the photo read May 12, 1946. On the back, she had written in faded black ink, Thank you, Samuel. There was a small black notebook under the stack of papers. It had a plain cover, no writing or pictures. When I put the book back inside the box, a single slip of paper slid out. It read... Samuel Romero is the rightful owner of the Canon S2 camera. Please return to his possession to nullify the curse. Hey, Naomi, look at this. I handed her the note, and she read it twice with bulging eyes. Curse? What do you think that means? I shrugged and said, Do you ever see this guy? The one giving her the box? She shook her head. We thumbed through the rest of the pictures. He was in every single one. She looked radiant and full of joy. Samuel stood next to her, beaming with pride at her alacrity. I turned my attention to the next unopened box labeled Pictures 1940-1950. I sat down on the cool concrete and pulled out a stack of black and whites. Naomi saw me and said, Hey, you're not getting paid to sit on the floor. I laughed and said, We're not getting paid at all. Come over here, you gotta see these. The pictures showed our ancient relatives at parties, all dressed to the nines with drinks in their hands. The hairstyles were terribly dated, noticeably different from modern times, as was the fashion, classy and well put together, though. There he is again. I don't even remember hearing about him before, do you? She shook her head. An hour slipped by as we studied the stacks of photos. It was amazing how diligently our ancestors documented their lives through photography back then exact dates printed on every photo. Amazingly, great-grandma's photos were stacked chronologically. Four more boxes held hundreds of photos spanning the decades right up to 2022. The third box I came across held a stack of magazines with certain pages tabbed. They were brilliant visual spreads in Life magazine, National Geographic, Vogue, and Popular Mechanics, among others. Mike, look at this. She even kept notes on this stuff. She held open a section in the middle of a 1947 ladies' home journal. There was an amazing winter landscape scene accompanying a poem by Margaret Anderson, great-grandma, called A Winter Lesson. A handwritten note on a piece of lined steno paper read, My first winning photo in March 1947. The Badgley Patterson Prize for Photography. Thank you, Samuel. There were certificates of achievement and awards stuffed into the pages of all sorts of magazines. Great-grandma had written articles and submitted astonishing photographs of many historical events over the decades. She covered the Korean War, Vietnam, Rosa Parks, the JFK assassination, the Malcolm X assassination, and seemingly hundreds of others. As the morning dragged on, we continued sifting through stacks of photographs. I began to notice a pattern, and wondered if Naomi saw it too. Hey, did you notice that Samuel guy is in a lot of these pictures? 
She looked up at me with a hint of apprehension in her eyes. Yeah, I've seen him in a lot of these. Did you notice anything strange about him? I was going to ask, has he aged in any of these pictures? Yeah, that's a good question. Okay. (laughs) Nodding, I said, yep, he doesn't seem to age. Boom. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I I kept I kept thinking about that every time he was brought up. Yeah. Look at this stack from the late 1960s. I swear this guy looks exactly the same as he did when Great Grandma was a teen. She quietly said, "Maybe he ages well. I mean, Great Grandma was only 40 and she looked great." Yeah, but you can tell she's 40. Look at this old one again, the one where he's giving her the camera. Great Grandma is 18 here. How old do you think he looks? Shrugging, she said, I don't know, in his 30s? He's got most of his hair. He's thin, in great shape, no lines on his face. Yeah, I'd say 33 or so. Shoving a picture from 1969, showing great-grandma accepting an award from a tuxedo-wearing gentleman on a stage, I said, and how about here? How old does he look? Samuel stood behind great-grandma, grinning devilishly, as she gave a half-hearted smile. Naomi thought for a moment, then said, Okay, yeah. I'd say he was probably about 33 in this picture. But how is that possible? I grabbed another stack, blowing right through the 70s and into the 80s. Color photos on square paper, with the dates still printed in the bottom right corners. I saw my grandparents and parents in these pictures, and of course great-grandma. There was an entire envelope of pictures from June 4th, 1983. It was an 8th grade graduation party for our Uncle Drew. He was a few years older than my and Naomi's mothers. But we recognized our respective mothers wearing matching blue terry cloth dresses. They were 6 years old in the picture, often wearing matching outfits at family gatherings, until they got old enough to pick their own clothes. The photo was taken in Uncle Drew's childhood backyard. There was a huge concrete patio, and in the back there, sitting on a flimsy folding chair holding a glass with brown liquor, was Samuel. He wore black pants, a short sleeve button-up shirt, and a wildly charming grin. Great-grandma sat next to him, frowning. She was clearly in her mid-fifties. Pointing at Samuel, I said, See? There he is again. She thought for a second, then said, I don't remember ever meeting him. I mean, I never really paid attention. I suppose he could have been around, but why wouldn't anyone tell us who he was? Ignoring her question, I asked, How old do you think he is in this one? Naomi shuddered. I felt a chill run up my spine. She whispered, 33? Maybe older? Shaking my head, I said, He hasn't aged a day since 1946. It's almost 40 years. Who is this guy? Pouring through more boxes now, we had papers and photos stacked on the concrete floor outside the storage unit. Boxes stacked against the far wall with pages sticking out from all sides. Naomi stood next to a stack of four boxes, the top one with its lid on the ground. She peered inside with wide eyes. Waving her hand at me, she said, Get over here, Mike. You gotta see this shit. It was the thick book with a blank black cover underneath the old Canon camera. It felt like either leather or some other animal hide. Inside the book, starting at the very first page, was a list. A list of historical events. 
beginning with the end of World War II on May 8, 1945. There were red check marks next to many of the events, but as I flipped to later decades, I saw fewer and fewer red check marks. There were large photos in an album, showing great grandma accepting awards throughout the decades. Certificates documented the awards, illustrating great grandma's prestigious career. I noticed an odd pattern, though. As great grandma grew older and her hairstyles changed along with her dress, she seemed to grow more unhappy. Each decade brought her closer to the inevitable demise of her career shortly before she died. Naomi noted this too and said, Did you hear about how great grandma used to talk about her death? I nodded. Yeah. My mom told me she knew the exact day she was going to die. She told her kids and grandkids. There are like a dozen or more people who could verify it. Naomi added, Do you think it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy, or did she really know? Shaking my head slowly, I said, I don't know, but why is that guy Samuel always looming in these photographs? And look at this one from 2017. Not a day over 33, wouldn't you say? Naomi put her hand over the photo, pushing it away. We noticed we had dug about halfway through the storage unit. Boxes stacked like brick towers littered the hallway outside. As I flipped through the list of historical events, I saw there were still several pages with events listed after the page for 2022. I tugged on Naomi's sleeve and shoved the book in front of her. She held a manila envelope that held what appeared to be a single thick document. Why do you think Great Grandma had this list of historical events? I know she wrote articles and took pictures of a lot of these events, but isn't it weird she would keep a list of those events? I mean, she knew when they were coming. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, she could find all this on the internet or in a history book. Naomi ran her fingers over the the book's pages and said, How old do you think this book is? I glanced at the font on a random page and said, Pretty old. Probably from the 50s, wouldn't you say? Staring at me with wide eyes, she said, How would a book from the 1950s have world events that didn't even happen yet? The tumblers fell into place. I sat down hard on the concrete floor with my mouth hanging open. Naomi continued, Look at the last few pages. They list events from 2024 and all the way to 2040. What is this thing? She dropped the book as if it were on fire. I grabbed it and flipped to the last pages. My eyes settled on an event dated November 15th, 2025. It indicated an 8.9 earthquake would hit off the coast of Japan, resulting in a tsunami that would reach California. Unable to comprehend the horror of such a prediction, I let the book fall from my hands. Sounding as if she were far away, I heard Naomi say, Oh shit. She slid the document inside the manila folder out and sat down next to me. Written in elaborate black script was a contract. The lettering was large and only a few lines, but the words will haunt me until I die, maybe longer. On this, the 12th day of May, 1946, it shall be decreed that Lady Margaret Anderson of Merchant Lake, Illinois, and Gentleman Samuel Romero of Banbury, Oxfordshire, have entered into a contract for bartered items, payable upon completion of said agreement at a time of each party's choosing. Gentleman Romero offers one Canon S2 camera. 
Lady Margaret Anderson offers one eternal soul. This contract, per the party's signatures below, is executable neither before nor after the agreed-upon date of August 6, 2022, year of her lord. Below were two signatures written in red ink, Samuel's and Margaret's. Naomi stared at me and said, That's the day she died. And who the fuck signs over their eternal soul? Don't you see? Great Grandma got the camera in exchange for the promise to give her soul over to this Samuel guy. She probably didn't even think it was real. She probably thought this guy was nuts. I mean, who believes in that shit? She got a camera. But what happened after she got the camera? With the reality dawning in her eyes, Naomi said, She started winning all those awards. She was famous. For decades. And that guy Samuel, who the fuck is he? Why is he just hanging around in all those pictures, never aging? She knew, didn't she? It was the camera. She knew if she just took the pictures and wrote the stories using the list of historical events, she would be rich and famous. Nodding, I added. And when she got older, she knew it was real. The contract. She probably didn't believe it when she signed it, but when she started having all that success, she knew there was no going back. That's why she looked so unhappy as she got older. And how she knew when she would die. God, this is crazy. How can this be real? Just then we heard a knock on the wall next to the open door, and we both screamed in surprise. Knock, knock. Sorry if I frightened you. A tall, slender gentleman stepped into the storage unit. Naomi and I stood up and recognized him immediately. He had a severe British accent that I'm not doing. (laughs) Charming. Not Cockney, but a real nobleman. He wore an equally charming grin with a charismatic and confident expression that offered not a shred of malice. He shook our hands, and we stared at him in awe, instantly mesmerized. He said, I am Samuel Romero. I knew your great-grandmother very well. His smile disappeared and his face grew solemn. With his hands clasped at his belt, he quietly said, I am terribly sorry for your loss. I heard she passed just last week. I do hope you and your family can find peace knowing she lived a fruitful life. Naomi and I looked at each other, then back at Samuel. If I had to guess, I'd say he was about 33 years old, not a day older. With courage I couldn't muster, Naomi held out a picture from 1952 and pointed at the man we assumed was Samuel. As if in a daze, she said, Is this you? Samuel cocked his head back and laughed lightly. Looking at her with a playful grin, he said, What do you think? Barely above a whisper, I said, What do you want? Ah, yes, I am intruding. I shall be on my way in a moment. By any chance, have you come across an old Canon S2 camera? I loaned it to your great-grandmother ages ago, and I've come to collect it. It's a very important family heirloom, and I do hope you'll be able to part with it. Naomi and I moved aside, allowing him to saunter toward the box with the camera. He scooped it up and headed back toward the hallway with a smile. Just as he was about to glide away, he spun around with a flourish and pulled a business card from his coat pocket. As he held it out to me, I noticed it simply had his name, Samuel Romero, in raised black lettering on the front. It was an eloquent script, 
I ran my finger over the letters, feeling them as if they were alive. Naomi glanced at the card, then back at him and said, What's the card for? With an entrancing laugh, he said, If you ever need anything, just call me. I like it. Boom. Deal with the devil. I mean, yeah. Which is, I, I kind of assumed, like, right off the bat. Yeah. But also, I I find it odd that he also came back for the camera itself. Yeah. I mean, that was the deal, right? But, I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. Obviously, she already gave him her soul, though. Yeah. I think it was just, like, he loaned her the camera for her soul. That's fair. All right. I knew you'd like that one because I know you're particularly a fan of deals with the devil. I mean, yeah. Right? The crossroads demons and all that. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it also, when we talked about uh, Pope Lake, oh, yeah. you know, that being one of the uh, origin stories and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I dig it a lot. I know I'd really, at some point, I'd like to cover like the Robert Johnson story and tell it, like, write it out describing the theory you know like actually tell the story of him encountering the crossroads demon and trading his soul for guitar playing i i think that would be awesome so yeah we should definitely do that for a very cool episode yeah for sure i think we could have a lot of fun with it's an interesting concept and it's been around for a really long time yeah oh without a doubt yeah which i mean you know kind of makes sense yeah assuming assuming giving your soul up to or giving yourself or your soul whatever up to a higher power and expecting something in return yeah. right it feels like very old magic you know yeah plus i think it's a way of it's a way of dealing with the fact that some people are just really fucking good at things for no explainable reason you know right. what i mean yeah like i know that's stupid you and i have absolutely known people that it's like what We've been doing this for the same amount of time. How are you so much better at this than me? Some people that are just naturally gifted to the point where they can like pick up anything or do anything and yeah, are exceptional at it. Yeah. Yeah. Like we had kids in high school that were like fantastic musicians. They were great skateboarders. They were like, it was like everything I wanted to do. They were really fucking good at <laughs> Right, especially like spending so much time trying to perfect something, yep. and like, yeah, something like that. It's just like wife and try. Yeah. Like, how'd you get really good at three things while I'm still okay at one of them? Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah it's very, very discouraging for sure. So, I mean, I get, I get a lot of you know things like this, and wanting that, you know just seeking that uh, almost like celebrity status or yeah. you know being being seen as this you know master of all things or basically just the fame and the wealth and things like that that can kind of come from you know being tremendously great at something yeah. yeah and obviously the appeal of that is yeah it's it's incredible yeah it's 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 hard to even quantify how you know right so it would almost be very very difficult to if that was like hey if you want this this can literally be yours right now really the and all it takes is uh just (laughs) just letting you know letting me have yeah 
this or spending your life devoted to me or whatever. The problem, the problem is that in the sales pitch, they're confirming the one reason you wouldn't take them up on it. Right. Cause like the only, the only way you're taking that deal is like, ah, eternal soul is probably not a real thing. Fuck it. Right. (laughs) Like, but if they can confirm that it's real, then, then I might, I I might question going for it. Like, but I mean, at the same time, how are you going to know that someone is, uh, someone is actually going to be capable of granting you these things? Unless, like, you can say, all right, prove it. Show yeah. me something. And he's like, poof, bam. And all of a sudden, like, you're... A master. ...doing something or... Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you get, like... You get to blow up for a quick second, and then he takes it all away. Right. It's like, yeah. You like that? That was your test run. I guess that would be enough proof at that point. Yeah. But then, again, yeah. Then you're confirming. You know, you have to offer me your soul. So right. at that point, it's like, well, that's obviously valuable. Yeah. Eternal damnation. <laughs> That's probably not a right. great great way to go. It's probably not worth 60 years of fame and fortune. Yeah. Plus you wouldn't have like the cuz to me I feel like the the best part of being like masterful at something is like knowing that you accomplished it. You know what I mean? Like that Yeah. That like confidence that comes with knowing that you can become great at something. Right? Yeah, I mean, I don't know that being able to achieve that feels any... I, I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's probably a little bit different, but I don't know that like once you got there that it would really make a difference to you. You don't think so? I mean, in the end, I guess in the end, obviously, skipping the whole the whole part about, you know, your soul is doomed. Um, but being, like, given, given that or, you know, I, I guess you might be more humble. Yeah. And, you know, like at that point, but I think like the confidence and everything that's still go- still all going to be there. Probably. To some degree. I don't know if it would be right. th- at least at least outwardly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree with that. But the concept of it, I think, is it's awesome. Yeah, it's very cool. And scary. Scary, but also extremely appealing. Yeah. A lot of scary things are right. that's true actually all right are you ready to uh shift gears yeah what do you got for us all right well today we're going to be telling the tale of south coast video you ready for it yeah i'm ready to go back in time all right here goes the video stores dude me too (laughs) (laughs) i remember now now we're just gonna take a quick break but like you know, being young and walking into a video store and it just feeling like this incredible place where you can it just, I guess uh, to me, it was always exciting to get to watch movies or getting to watch movies or renting movie like VHS tapes yep. on the weekend and stuff like renting that. Renting a like, video game. Or renting yeah. a video game. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Dude, Netflix will never match that feeling. Oh, not, not at all. Close. I mean, there's, there's things like Gamefly and stuff like that where, you know, you can do like rentals online and get them shipped and stuff Even that, I mean, it's just the, the atmosphere is it's gone. not the same exactly yeah. yeah which i mean that's not even as popular well obviously everything is online based or digital yeah. now so you know like you don't need to do that you can rent games through like um, your xbox can't you or can you only purchase 
I mean, you can you can use things like Game Pass and stuff like well, that, yeah, but... and you know, just instantly have access to a gigantic library of games. I was wondering if you could rent games though, like because I know you can like rent movies on iTunes, you know, right I mean? on demand yeah. and stuff like that, and yeah. I was curious if they had that hmm. for video games. I I think that's been a concept for a couple of uh you know, a couple different services that they've tried to yeah, kind of never really kind of put off. out that really have not yeah, not done well. Yeah. So it makes sense. When you have like every platform has a library that you can pay for access to now. So Right. Even Nintendo's is badass now. Yeah. Like with all the retro titles and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I uh, I mean I I have that and then I also have uh like PlayStation the uh, whatever their top tier is right now um and I barely use it at this point yeah. but it's nice to have that like option though yeah you know just uh oh I want to play a new game yeah. all right well here's a lot of options we have the Nintendo one and we have the Game Pass one yeah and there yeah those are enough Game Pass me. is is awesome I pick it up every now and again. Yeah. Uh, especially when they have like a new game coming out that's directly Game Pass and stuff like yeah. that, because then I get to basically rent it for a month or however long I want to, and then I'm yeah. done. Same. So I I do like that for sure. All right, well, let's get down to business. South Coast Video. I'd worked there for two years and loved it. There were all kinds of deals and discounts for employees. And we had a big popcorn machine like you see in the movie theaters. Free for anyone who wanted a bag. We had a large, repeat customer base of regulars that always looked for recommendations, which we were thrilled to give. Two of us would close out the end of the night, with one typically being a guy. Yet somehow on that Sunday, it ended up being two girls. And I was tired from a bad sleep the night before and not feeling great, so I was just trying to get to the end of the shift. My coworker Michelle's boyfriend came by about an hour before close and went through the aisles repeatedly, trying to kill time. Finally, I told her she could take off and I'd close up by myself. It was a Sunday, so we'd be closing at 8pm, which was a half hour away. And the store had been quiet all day, so I wasn't expecting some big rush or anything. A few minutes after they left, I decided to start the cleanup early, which meant going around and collecting the garbage bags from all the bins around the store. The store itself was huge with dozens of five-foot-high rows of VHS tapes and large, load-bearing pillars decorated with prop characters. There were TVs playing new releases and all kinds of movie lore. As I walked out from behind the desk to start with the garbage bins closest to the back door, I heard that familiar ding sound come from the front door opening. God, I miss those places so much. Right? (laughs) So that description got me all nostalgic. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Ah. Just something, literally just something about being in a a movie store. It was just... Yeah. Like the smell of it. There's everything about it was just great. It's just pure nostalgia. We grew up in those places. Right. Like everything we ever loved came from those places. Yeah, it's just it's it's crazy to think yeah. about. We had a late customer. I went back behind the desk and put another VHS in the automatic tape rewinder. Those things were great. They really were. They were. 
As the tape rewound, I tried to get a better look at who had came in, but they turned down the first aisle. Horror. And the shelves and one of the large pillars were, were blocking my view. I waited for them to move out from behind the pillar, but they stayed there. Then the tape popped up from the rewinder, and I let out an embarrassing gasp. I winced at myself and replaced the tape in its plastic sleeve. I set another tape to rewind and decided to start collecting the garbage from near the front. When I got up to the horror aisle, the customer was gone. The store was quiet. I walked down the aisle and turned to the right where I could see down two more rows. But there was no one. I went down another row and walked out to the main aisle leading to the desk and came face to face with the customer. He was a man in his mid-twenties, about six feet tall. He had long, jet-black hair and was dressed in all black. He had a dirty leather jacket and wore chains with pentagrams and goat skulls. He was Danzig. (laughs) (laughs) I guess if he was about 5'3". He needs the devil lock, yo. Yeah. Maybe Doyle, because Danzig's like 5'3". That's fair. The Satanist look wasn't intimidating back then, as it kind of blended with the punk crowd in our area. I couldn't tell which side this guy was on, but there was something behind his eyes that made me feel cold. He stared at me long and hard. It was the most uncomfortable I had ever been. Neither of us spoke, and for a moment... I thought he was going to rush me. Then, the taper winder popped up and killed the tension. I let out a nervous laugh and he smiled at me like he'd known me my whole life. And then he said goodnight. And walked past me. Without running the Blair Witch Project? (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) I mean... (laughs) Which was also great. That's what I was expecting. Right? Yeah, that's fair. I croaked out a U2 as I heard the front door open and close with that familiar jingle. I turned and saw the man outside walking off towards a car at the far end of the parking lot. It was a quarter to eight, but I decided to shut the store down early. The man left a lasting impression and I called my boyfriend to be here at eight to pick me up. I packed up all the garbages and put them away, and then I went back to the front desk to empty the till when I saw something on the counter. It was a VHS tape in a plastic container. The man must have returned it. Only, it wasn't one of ours. It had the same kind of clear plastic holder we used, but didn't have a sleeve or jacket from our store. The tape inside of it had a sticker on it with a name written on it. Melissa. My name... The tape wasn't rewound. It was as far to the right as it could get, like it had been watched to the very end. My hands were shaking, but I managed to put the tape in the rewinder. It was an automatic reaction. I wasn't even sure I wanted to watch the tape. As it rewound, I argued with myself over what to do. I thought about not watching it, but knew that would eat away at me. I thought about waiting for my boyfriend and watching it with him. But he was a hothead and if there was something bad in the tape, 
I can see him going postal. <laughs> she trying to kill him too. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm too exposed to Japanese horror. I'm not like playing I any mean, mystery tapes oh, from man. a goth dude. Yeah, I I I think I, I would just probably yeah. dicey. Toss it away. It's obviously not theirs. There's something bad about this anyways, you know. Yep. Something's going to happen Agreed. if you watch this tape, clearly. I decided to watch it by myself in the back office of the store. <laughs> My finger hovered over the play button, but eventually pressed it. <laughs> Fucking dummy. Hey. You can't see something with your name on it and not want to open it up, right? I suppose so. Yeah. The tape started with static. Then an image took over. It was a grainy handheld camera held by someone in the driver's seat of a car that was in movement. The holder of the camera was trying to keep it steady while they drove. It's the Blair Witch Project. (laughs) You called it, man. Good job. I did. (laughs) After several seconds, the available hand turned to the steering wheel and I caught a glimpse of something out of the windshield that I recognized. It was the glowing sign above our store. South Coast Video in neon. I watched the car pull into the back end of the parking lot, right where the man had been going earlier. The camera pointed at the front entrance of the video store and waited. A familiar car entered the parking lot, my boyfriend's. It pulled up in front of the store and I watched myself kiss my boyfriend and go in. The video cut to footage from a new day and another work drop-off, this time by my parents. It showed another and another, over a dozen cuts of me getting out of cars and going into the store. Then the video showed me coming out, going into whichever car was picking me up that night and driving off. In the video, I recognized the pants I was wearing from the previous day and realized I was watching footage from last night. I watched myself get into my parents' car and we drove off. And this time, the camera followed. I was not expecting stalker shit. I really wasn't. Yep. (laughs) Yeah, curveballed me. The driver was trailing us and it stuck with us all the way home watching my parents' car pull into our driveway. The camera focused on our house number, 42, and then cut to black. For a moment, I thought that was it, but the tape had more. A new image flickered on. It said it was just after 3 a.m. It was from inside the car again, and it was pointed at my house. The driver's side door opened and the camera got out. It moved across the street and towards the side of my home. The camera pointed in through windows along the side as it moved towards the backyard. I saw the living and dining room. Both were dark and empty. At the back door, there was fumbling and jangling before a small metal tool was brought out and jammed into the lock. It was twisted and popped the door open. My heart went from beating a million times per second to not at all the man was inside my house 
The camera switched to grainy night vision and moved through the empty kitchen and entered the living room and looked at photos hanging on the walls and books stacked on shelves. It took the whole room in. Then it turned to the staircase, the one leading up to the bedrooms. The camera moved up the stairs quietly and reached the second floor. I pressed stop on the VCR. I wasn't sure I wanted to continue. I reconsidered getting my boyfriend and asking him to watch it and tell me what happened. But I had to know. I pressed play. The tape began with the camera looking left, then right down the hallway. I knew that to the right were my younger brother and sister's room, and to the left was the bathroom. My parents' room and mine at the far end. The camera stared left, focused on the door at the end of the hallway. My door. The camera moved past the bathroom and my parents' room without slowing. It came to a stop at my door. A hand reached out and turned the knob. It opened a crack, and the hand slid it open further, bringing the camera in. My bedroom door closed with the man now inside. The camera found my bed, and there I was, sound asleep. My thumb hovered over the stop button on the VCR, ready to end whatever I was about to see, before it traumatized me for life. The camera was placed on my desk, facing the bed. The man from the store came into view. He carried a rag in his hand. I watched him creep up onto the bed, easing himself across it until he was over top of me, and then he pressed the rag down on my face. My body trembled and shook, then went still. I pressed stop and threw up in the garbage bin beside the TV. Watching the attack, I'd gotten a horrible, familiar feeling, like a forgotten memory reappearing after being lost. I took a few minutes to collect myself before deciding once again that whatever happened to me on that tape, I needed to know for myself. Dude, this is fucked. Yeah. Yeah, this is, uh... It's a little much at this point. Jesus. I'm strapped in for the ride now. (laughs) Alright, well, we're, we're almost through it. I pressed play again. And there was the image of my unconscious body in my bed, being straddled by a black-clothed goth psychopath. The man pulled the rag away from my face. He pulled my shirt up over my head, then reached around the back of his pants. He pulled out a knife with the ceremonial handle, dragged it down the center of my chest without drawing blood. Then he put the blade to the palm of his left hand and cut. He winced at the pain, but then resheathed his knife and dabbed his right fingers in the blood from his palm. The man used the blood to draw all over my stomach and chest. He made strange markings on my skin, taking his time while he did. Then the man finished and lit a candle. He held it with his right hand and put his bloody left hand on my stomach. I could hear him on the tape speaking quietly but couldn't make out what the man was saying. It sounded like hushed chanting and prayer. As he went on, my back began to arch upwards and lift off the bed. My mouth opened, and I held one long, continuous gasp for what felt like minutes. Then the man stopped. 
and so did my gasp. I fell limply back to the bed, and the candle blew out. This is way scarier than the Blair Witch Project. Might be just a, yeah, just a, just a tad, <laughs> just a tad. After a moment, the man got up and cleaned the blood from my stomach using a towel he'd brought. He grabbed the camera from my desk and crept out of my room. Everything went hazy after that. I'd sweat through all my clothes, and my whole body was trembling. But I still watched the camera sneak back out through my house and to his car. The video pulled something back into my memory. A strange, frightening disturbance in the night. Only brief flashes in length, and dismissed as a bad dream. But I had a horrible migraine when I woke up. It all made sense. I showed the video to my boyfriend and he freaked out. We called the police and gave them every bit of evidence there was. But the man was never found. That was years ago. And the only reason I'm thinking about it now is because I'm pregnant. And there are strange markings appearing on my growing belly that look a lot like the ones the man had drawn in his own blood. Holy shit. Yeah. Still a little turn. bit. I mean, crazy. yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to dismiss that, but that's I mean, obviously, yeah, this is more so lines kind of lines up with with your story. I'd like to think, you know, it's like this child yeah. is being promised yeah. to some dark force or power. Yeah, that's yeah, yeah. It's I mean, it's creepy. It's really that's creepy gnarly. for sure. Yeah, it's it's I mean, horror, yeah, dude, for sure. Horror's supposed to be scary, but I, I do what you, I do get what you're saying. I mean, it I is mean, the tone, the tone, and the whole like stalker, yeah, feeling, you know. And then, especially the scene where he's straddling her and basically is probably, yeah, um, you know, he's uh, obviously he has had the ra- the rag over her face and all that stuff, you know, like. Making you know, obviously making sure she's down yeah. for the count, and then like when he pulls you know pulls uh, her shirt over her head sure. and like reaches around, it's almost it almost I mean at that point, but then he grabs the knife yeah. and right, and then that's when you know like oh shit yeah okay. it almost gets like, there yeah yeah this is this is about to take a turn for even worse at this point I think yeah um yeah it's it's. <sighs> I mean, there's definitely like some some weird dark dark magic going on here, but like also, I feel like it's just scary because oh, people that, are yeah. scary. One hundred percent. You know what I mean? That's the most creepy aspect of this whole like this whole thing. You know what really gets me in that story that you don't necessarily recognize right away after doing that fucked up shit in the video. Yeah, he went and showed her. He went and gave her the right. tape so that she knew. And then she had to literally spend her life not knowing what actually like happened and what that means. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. he is, if he'd ever come back. Yeah. So like, you Fucking wonder crazy. what happens after she gives birth to this child. Yeah, you have to wonder. Right. Exactly. Does she ever? Yeah. Or does the baby just get dark hearted <laughs> right out of her belly? Does he like 
claw its way out of her belly, turn into one yeah, of those some strange, kind of right? weird. He's actually the spawn of Satan himself. It's just the newest generation <laughs> of the Jersey Devil. Yeah, being born. Hey, I mean, that, that could go somewhere. What she didn't mention was that her last name is Leeds. <laughs> he did have little, you know, little goat head trinkets on him. So, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, a I'm into Jersey it. Devil. That's. But yeah, it, it yeah. it's terrifying. I think like the thing that really stands out to me is watching someone literally come into your house while everyone is asleep. Like, yeah, seeing yeah. yourself sleeping and seeing someone else that you have no idea who they are, like where they're from, what they're about, literally watching you and like recording you sleeping. It's uh, it's just an eerie, eerie, eerie feeling. Yeah, I w- I would imagine it would be, just like seeing yourself do something or experience something yeah, that you don't yeah, for sure. have any memory mm-hmm. of. Is weird. I remember like back in my early twenties, seeing like videos that people took at parties. Yeah. And like, obviously, this is a, that's a different, you know, setting and right, experience and cause, but like. Just like seeing videos of myself doing yeah. things that I don't remember at all the next day, it's weird. Yeah. It's I, like yeah, unsettling. For sure. <laughs> It'll make you stop drinking. <laughs> uh, when you get to like see yourself you know, being video ridiculous. proof of your own bad decision making. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, I, I agree with that. It's never sure. good. That's. <laughs> and I didn't even have a goth kid straddling me. At least not every time. That's why you <laughs> always make good decisions. Even when your mind is influenced by something else, just yeah, make good decisions. Don't make poor choices. Always. <laughs> only you can prevent forest fires. If only it were that easy when you're 23. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna choose to make to have eternal all wisdom. The, all the correct decisions that are only going to improve my life. Yep. Yeah, that's a that's a really hard thing to do when you're young and dumb. Yeah. I basically spent my twenties like okay, imagine like a choose your own adventure book where you make every single wrong choice. <laughs> like and the choices are obviously good and bad. It's like, open the door, or right. do you stick your hand in the wood chipper? And I pick the wood chipper over and over again. Well, it's again. like knowing the ending, but yet you still put yourself in the situation, because, yeah, I guess, to test the limits, right? I guess, yeah. Or just because that's the mo- more appealing at the time. And sometimes just... And sometimes just as a fuck you... Like that, I'm gonna yeah, that's I'm gonna too. do the wrong yep. thing here, knowing I'm doing the wrong thing just because I <laughs> yeah. can. That's that's not the way to be. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Yeah, that like nihilistic yeah, yeah. view. Yeah, it's not but good for you. That's growing up too. It's not know? good for anybody. Everybody makes a bad decision at one point in their life or another. Yeah, yeah. 
I feel like growing up, you have to burn a few bridges just so that That's, you learn how yeah. hard they are to put back together. 100%. Yeah. Now we're teaching life lessons on this show. Yeah. Yeah, dude. That's what horror does. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Never have sex in a horror movie. Never be naked. Never. Never. Never say I'll be right back. No. Nope. That's yeah, that's the other one. <laughs> Basically, if you have any questions about life, just watch like from minute fourteen to minute twenty one of Scream. <laughs> and just write down everything Matthew Lillard says. Matthew Lillard is a brilliant man though. And Yeah. Then you'll just know everything you need to yeah. know in life. You heard it here, folks. Yep. But yeah. Matthew Lillard, Sage of the Ages. <laughs> <laughs> you should also watch 13 Ghosts. I mean, yeah. Extremely underrated, which is ridiculous. Because that movie's fun as fuck. I agree. It's so fun. It's not terrifying. Yeah. It's visually striking, and it's so and much fun. And the concept fun. of the house is just awesome. So, yeah. Yeah. I agree. Oh, yeah. I well agree. worth it. But somehow we managed to pull together a show that, uh, or an episode of this that, uh, yeah, we're, you know, our stories have kind of went hand in hand. Yeah. Good job. As always, yours was much scarier than mine. I mean, <laughs> but you know, that's how it always goes. Yours is more playful though. So, you know, I'd say that's a win. Yeah. I like the idea of like finding out that your great grandma Sold or sold right, to the devil. Exactly. That's awesome. That's crazy. And then the fact that they get to meet they get to meet him in the end. Like that's even cooler. Yeah. Yeah. And they get his card. They get his card. Like, I might call this guy if I flunk out of college. <laughs> so does he just like know if they just like rub it or hold it or something? Maybe. I don't know. He's like, haha, at your service. I could tell that you were Enjoying the embossing on the card there. <laughs> so I showed up. That's a nice aerial <laughs> and uh fourteen point strong bold. That's right. You really think the devil's an aerial guy? No, not at all. He's gonna be a lot more whimsical, I think. Oh, right? Yeah. I think so too. I think so too. Some kind of like sweeping cursive elegant like yeah. script or something yeah for sure yeah it's gotta be like almost hard to read because <laughs> there's so many yeah. swirlies for sure which are a lot of like <laughs> yeah. metal bands like just straight like crazy metal bands they have that font yeah. too where you can't read it at yeah. all it's either it's either like lots of loop-de-loops and you know curvy guys or it's just that yeah. like really gross it's like a thousand spikes. Yeah. Yeah. It's impossible to read, but it's like every band has the exact same logo. They got it wrong. The death metal logo designers. They got it wrong. I don't think the death metal, the devil is not a hammer. The devil is like a tiny little needle. Oh, without a doubt. You know what I mean? Yeah. I feel like, yeah, he's going to be very, very elegant. Oh, yeah. Very charming. I mean, just watch Lucifer on Netflix and do yourself a favor. Absolutely brilliant. God damn it, dude. It's an incredible show. <laughs> is it? It is. Have you not watched it? Yes. I've oh, watched a little bit of it's, it. Of it's course. It's so good. 
and it gets i'm married to a 35 year old woman of course i've watched lucifer it gets so much like it gets it gets so good too as the as the show progresses but i love the premise of it and it's just fun and that's exactly exactly how i see the devil yeah i don't know i i feel like much smoother than that because really yeah because the lucifer in that show he's kind of like a like every like sexy 30 year old dude in a tv show but he's appealing to everyone and he can get them to admit their deepest desires and but it's like cheater appealing you know Eh, what i mean i disagree i don't know I don't know. And he just plays plays piano and sings beautifully. Such a great show. It really is. If you want like an embodiment of what I think the devil would be like on in a Netflix show, it would be Castlevania. It'd be Dracula in Castlevania. <laughs> Have you watched the Castlevania show on Netflix? I, I watched like a couple episodes briefly, but that was it. Like when it first came out. It's got that like deep baritone voice that's like you can like feel it vibrating I mean, that's it's possible too when, when he talks and yeah i don't know you know this is it's tough and i feel like the devil would have a mustache for sure i don't i don't know like he wouldn't look like a like an actor looking for work you know what i mean <laughs> like the guy that plays lucifer could just as easily play like the smart aleck cop i on, mean some <laughs> criminal minds or some shit as he as he continues working with uh you know with the police and stuff he gets kind of like you know cop cop cough like cocky and yeah it's it's See, funny that's he looks like it he's got the like he's got the like youth minister haircut yeah you know it's okay yeah I'm not buying it. Well, you it. need to actually watch the whole show. The devil's going to have, like, long hair. Long hair and a mustache. No, not He's long gonna hair. He's going to be wearing an ascot. I mean, well, probably. Yeah. Fancy as fuck. I mean, yeah, extremely fancy, but not long hair. Yeah, he would have long, gorgeous hair. I don't think so. That, you know, man or woman could just swim in. I think he's going to have more of, like, a pomp. <laughs> you think so? Yeah. I don't know. And if he has any facial hair, it's going to be an extremely tight beard. So, like, rockabilly Satan? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. But, so like, like, but the like singer pretty. from the Necromantics, you know, like, that's the devil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. That's it. Yep. Yeah. With the coffin, but stand up bass and everything. I mean, he's just rocking, like, 50s greaser style outfit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Sleeveless jean jacket when it's casual Friday. Yeah. He just goes around singing, cruising for a bruising all the time. <laughs> Always. <laughs> <laughs> he's, I mean, he's uh, constantly going going to a rumble, so he does a lot of snapping, too. <laughs> <laughs> I can't even see the rails we went off of. Anymore. Oh, there's there's <laughs> another group of uh, the sharks. Uh, you know, like yeah, the jets and the sharks. <laughs> we won't keep going. Okay. 
We're going to end up in like musicals in the next five minutes. Yeah, that's where that was going. Like, that was quickly, yes. By like an hour and 15, we would have been talking about like Funny Girl and Mamma Mia. <laughs> so let's nip that one in the bud. Yeah, I think this is a great, uh, great area to wrap it up. Agreed. Agreed. This was a great Friday Night Fright. Next month, we'll get to do another one. Well done. I look forward to it. Yeah. Next month. It's too long. It is. It is. Follow us on Patreon and maybe you'll get some more of this. So much more. Similar. Similar. Not quite Friday Night Fright. Yeah. Well, I think that's going to wrap up this episode of Friday Night Fright. Nine? Nine. Yeah, as in the number, not German for no. (laughs) Nine! (laughs) (laughs) Friday Night Fright, nine.